Hello, this is Gary Van Warmerdam, and this is the Awareness and Consciousness Podcast from PathwayToHappiness.com. This podcast is on anxiety. And we can throw into that umbrella anxiety attacks or panic attacks, because I think this is applicable to that whole domain. And while I want to address some aspects of anxiety and anxiety attacks, this certainly isn't the whole package. I specifically want to address it just to take off a couple layers of misunderstanding that add some extra anxiety, extra confusion. And if we can take those off and maybe have a little better model of understanding of what's going on, it will help relax just one more layer or maybe a couple layers. I've also put up two exercises to specifically address anxiety issues. Those exercises to help reduce anxiety can be found in the membership area of the self-mastery program. For a more comprehensive approach to the whole thing going on with your mind, body, emotions, you also want to work through the sessions in the self-mastery series. But if you have specific anxiety issues, those two exercises in that anxiety module will be extremely helpful. So the first thing I want to address is that we generally have the wrong model of understanding of what's going on with us. We tend to think that our thinking, our intellectual reasoning is in charge. And it's not. Uh, If we're trying to sometimes calm ourselves down and think more calming thoughts, we think that sometimes that should do it. We see our anxieties or anxiety panic attacks as being unreasonable. Uh, They don't make any sense. They're ridiculous. We shouldn't be doing it. And we get really frustrated that we can't intellectually calm ourselves down or that we're having that kind of panic attack when there's no reason for it. And so it's kind of frustrating that that happens. But it's only frustrating because we're under the assumption that the intellect, the reasoning mind, is in charge of this and can change it just by logic and reason. And behavior and observation tells us this doesn't work that way. So I want to propose to you a different model, uh, one that may help you understand what's going on. It may give you a, oh, oh, that's what's happening here, a sense of relief from the confusion and hopefully um, get you to stop doing some things that are exacerbating the problem. So to help give an understanding here, I want to start with kind of what the makeup of our being is. And this certainly isn't the full-blown explanation, but just use this for the anxiety issue. We have different parts of our brain, and they're in charge of different processes. We've got a, an intellectual reasoning mind, which actually is very recent. Our ability to, to work in abstract language is a really recent phenomenon. It's, it's measured in tens of thousands of years or maybe hundreds of thousands of years. And, and that's really new. There's another part of our brain that is much more like a physical animal. And it's millions of years old. 
It has been around for millions of years and has done an amazing job of living in the world and surviving. And that's passed down to us through generations and generations for millions of years. And in truth is, this is a much older version. And when things kick into a survival instinct, that, I'll call it animal part of the brain, animal part of our being, kicks into gear. And we could think of it as an unconscious nervous system. It's behaving in a way that's just instinctual. But I like to talk about it as if it's its own animal. And we have this intellect riding on top in our head that thinks it's in charge of this animal, in charge of this body and all its functions. But the intellect is kind of clueless in this regard. It doesn't really know how this animal behaves, how this unconscious nervous system behaves. It doesn't, it's not used to knowing how this unconscious nervous system throughout the whole body acts to keep this body alive under times of stress or threat. You know, we just don't wipe out millions of years of survival instinct and override it because now we are able to think. And when that survival instinct kicks in, it can pretty much override most all rational thought. And this can be very confusing to our intellectual reasoning. Like what happened? Why is this happening? This doesn't make any sense. But think of it like this. That animal, that unconscious nervous system designed for survival is, is like a horse. And you're riding that horse. And you're riding along in the grass and it's a very beautiful day. And that animal, that horse, all of a sudden is spooked and it takes off in a bolter. Now, you might be going, what the hell's the matter with you, horse? Slow down. This is ridiculous. There's nothing to be afraid of. That doesn't stop the horse. Whatever that horse saw move in the grass, whatever caught its eye, that movement, even though you, you, the rider, the intellect, didn't see it, was enough to send that horse in a fight or flight. Your body does the same thing. When it gets a signal, correct or incorrect, it doesn't matter. That animal, in that unconscious nervous system of your body, when it says, hey, this is a fight or flight situation, this is dangerous, something bad is going to happen, could happen here. All of those things kick in your body, you begin to sweat, your digestion stops, your heart rate increases, your stomach, your chest gets tight, there's changes in your breathing, your, your mind starts focusing and fixating on certain things very specifically and gets on a track, it wants to run out the door. It starts checking out where all the exits are and who's in the way. You can have a response like that that's pushing your mind to do stuff or to want to do stuff that rationally you go, well, I'm in this meeting and I'm fine. This doesn't make any sense that I'm having this attack. And probably at that point, it feels like the physical body, this unconscious nervous system, the animal, is attacking the mental reasoning process. And it's probably the wrong word to use. 
attack because just saying that is as if I'm under attack makes it all the more threatening, it seems. When what's really happening is that unconscious nervous system is in survival mode. And here's here's the thing to understand and where I want to flip this is to the intellect and the reasoning, it looks like everything that the body is doing, the nervous system is doing, the breathing, the sweating, the tightness in the chest, the adrenaline getting everything going, it looks like to intellectual reasoning that that is all wrong. But the truth is that survival mechanism of the unconscious nervous system of that animal is behaving perfectly. That body is doing exactly what it's been trained to do through millions of years to survive. It is a beautifully created animal trained through instinct of millions and millions of years to do what it needs to do to survive, to continue living. Your intellect doesn't understand that, but that's what it's doing. And when you understand that, you can maybe change the narrative of what's going on and from what the hell's the matter with me, what's wrong with me, I'm acting really stupid, I'm being such an idiot, they must think I'm all nervous, they're going to judge me, I hope they don't see this. All of that narrative is about I'm doing something wrong. Well, that has its own consequence, we'll get to in a minute. What is in fact happening is your unconscious nervous system behaving as an animal is doing everything beautifully through millions of years of evolution to survive and live. Now, it might have gotten an incorrect signal. It might have, like that horse, only seen a gopher. But it wasn't sticking around to check it out. It's running. It's like, that might be a snake. That might be a predator animal, like a wolf. It's not sticking around to find out. That instinctual animal doesn't have curiosity. It's got survival. And it's got everything working for it to make all that happen instantaneously. That's not a mistake. That system is not broken. It's behaving just as it should. That should hopefully take off a layer of confusion. You say, oh, okay, that's what's happening. The second thing that's happening is that when our intellectual reasoning goes, oh, what's wrong with me? I'm overreacting. I'm being stupid. They must see that I'm, I'm nervous. All of that dialogue going on in our head about our body, about our nervous system, about our heat behavior, imagining how people will see us in a negative way. The interesting thing is that animal is hearing all that dialogue. That animal is being treated, oh, I'm being stupid. I'm overreacting. What's wrong with me? Something must be wrong with me. This is bad. It's getting this barrage of statements, this negative thinking that says what it's doing is bad, what it's doing is wrong. That animal feels like it's in trouble. What does that do? That triggers its fight or flight system again. When we're in trouble, do we feel comfortable and calm? No. Uh-oh, something bad's going to happen with because we're doing something wrong. 
So when we kick into that negative dialogue about having an anxiety attack, that unconscious nervous system gets the information of our dialogue and it goes, hey, wow, this must be really bad. And it responds the same way, say, your dog would respond if you scolded it. It becomes afraid and cowers down. It has an emotional response to that. It's not going to calm it down when it's talked to that way. So think of this unconscious nervous system animal not only can kind of see out onto the terrain, but it can also hear your thoughts. It's taking information from there as well. And it responds to the way you talk to it. And generally people who are having anxiety attacks talk to to themselves in a negative way. And that unconscious nervous system, that animal response is to respond as if it's being talked to a negative way. And the more that you can refrain from this negative dialogue, the more that you can put those thoughts in check, you're going to be taking a layer of anxiety off that animal, off that unconscious nervous system, and it has a better chance to move towards relaxing. So we might not notice the benefits of this unconscious nervous system and this, but it's there all the time. It's continually surveying the landscape and making sure things are okay. Because it didn't go to sleep. It didn't disappear from our beingness. It's still alive and well inside of us, although we're generally in a pretty well domesticated, socialized environment that it hasn't had much to do. But you can still see it working in places all the time. You just have to notice. Case in point, driving. If we're driving in a car, our eyes are scanning everything on the road, Drivers, cars, how they're moving, how other drivers' heads are turning. Billions of bits of information to process. We can't do it intellectually. Our intellect functions in a very narrow bandwidth of plodding along as fast as language can, as fast as thinking can. But our unconscious nervous system can scan back and forth as we're going down a road. Everything's changing. It's doing it for hours. Cars are moving in and out of traffic. Our unconscious nervous system knows enough to process all of that and everything fits in a normal pattern. Everything's good. We're good. But if somebody is looking at a map, texting on their phone, our alarm goes off. It goes, uh-oh, that's a potential problem. We move over a lane. We get away from that driver. Maybe somebody's driving a little erratically. They're swerving. We're going to go around. We're going to get away from them. It picks up on those little things. Somebody's head movements are just a little bit out of normal pattern. And we're like, "Mm, they look lost. They don't know where they're going. They're possibly prone to sudden stop or sudden turn. And we adjust to that changing landscape. Our unconscious nervous system is able to pick out of that incredible amount of data. These couple things are out of place that we need to pay particular attention to and adjust our course for. And you'll do this without any thinking, without any language. You see it and you just know. That's how our unconscious nervous system is working all the time. And it gives us a little flag. And most of the time, it gives us a little flag, a little signal that's in the appropriate amount to get our attention and take a necessary action. So in a way, 
it's in charge. It's telling us where we need to go and what we need to do. There's a rational explanation. But it's coming from our unconscious nervous system that's processing this mega amount of data. What happens sometimes is this unconscious nervous system is taking data on over on the landscape and it's misreading something. It's giving us a signal that there's an alarm, there's a problem, and it's responding in this fight or flight mode because it's misinterpreted something. How might that happen? Easy one to understand is for a soldier who's been in combat, they've heard the bullets flying, they've been in a firefight, that has activated their fight or flight system. It's maybe happened that around the city or an urban environment. They come home, they walk into another urban environment. Similar. Now what happens to that unconscious nervous system? It goes, oh, a little heightened alarm. Oh, this is kind of similar like to the other time we were in danger. This might be this also a dangerous place. And so maybe they're walking down a street and a car backfires. Sounds like a gunshot. This will spook a horse. This will spook an animal. This spooks our unconscious nervous system to take action, go into fight or flight mode. It looks around. That car is a blue four-door. And it is life-threatening as far as our unconscious nervous system is trained to respond. But we calm ourselves down, whether it's hours or days or minutes. We're like, oh, okay, it's a car. Eventually, our system gets a signal that it's not a fight or flight situation. But let's say the next day or a week later or a month later or months later, a person's walking down the street and a blue four-door car goes by. It doesn't backfire. But to our unconscious nervous system, it's a threat. It's a threat as much as a car backfiring because that's equal to gunfire going off. And now a blue four-door car driving by fires off our anxiety system, our survival instinct, the same as a gunshot would. Because our mind has correlated the two as, hey, this is serious, pay attention to this. And then maybe it's not a blue four-door car. Maybe it's a blue four-door car or a blue car or a blue pickup or any car. And now a white car drives by. And our mind that's processing billions of bits of data says that's close enough. And the adrenaline kicks in and the heart rate goes up and the stomach tightens and the palms begin to sweat. The mouth gets dry because digestion's got to stop. We need all our energy for this possible fight or flight situation. And that body and that nervous system is working perfectly for survival. It's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. The problem is in the interpretation mechanism. It's taken a signal that isn't a threat. And because of some misunderstanding and interpretation has interpreted as a threat. The important thing to recognize is there's nothing wrong with that body. There's nothing wrong with that nervous system. It is working perfectly based on millions of years of evolution to keep us alive and safe. That's really important to understand so that in your intellect, you don't go into confusion. You don't go into judgment 
Because if you go into confusion, uh-oh, something's wrong. If you go into judgment, this is bad. Well, that's a signal to that unconscious nervous system. Uh-oh, something's bad. Double up on the anxiety. Double up on the adrenaline. Double up on the fight or flight. What happens when we go into confusion? It sets up another kind of response. If we're confused, it means we don't know something. And if we don't know something, we might feel like we're in a sixth grader in class again. We got called on and we don't know the answer. And now we look stupid. We're an idiot. We look like a failure. We can have that same kind of nervous system response like, oh no, I don't know. I'm a failure. I'm a screw up. What is that? That's reason for fight or flight again. What do other people think of us? Reason for fight or flight again. These are all parts of a dialogue or sometimes are parts of an unconscious belief system that cause our nervous system to react in a way of fear and that exacerbate an added layer of anxiety on top of the initial fight or flight response that was to a car backfiring or walking around a corner in a city feeling exposed. All these are kinds of triggers, potentially. Other kinds of triggers happen in relationship. I don't know if this story is in one of my other audios, but I was out of the country store and across the street was a house. And I, I was kind of in the front of the store waiting for a friend to come out. And this mom was getting into her car and her son was maybe about four or five years old. And he was crying to mom, don't go, don't go, don't go, mom, don't go. And mom had to go to work or mom had to go to the grocery store to get stuff for dinner, whatever it was. She got in the car, she drove off. And that four-year-old boy is screaming. He's running down the side of the road. Mom, mom, don't go, don't go. He's having a huge emotional experience. Does it necessarily traumatize him? No. Uh, he'll probably be fine. But it can set up a kind of pattern where we fear someone leaving. Now something's going on in a relationship, looks like we might break up. That can be tantamount to our provider leaving us when we're a little kid. That can be associated the same way in the mind to that kind of emotional connection or attachment. If you read up on attachment theory, you know, our close relationships growing up, they provide for us not just a, a comforting emotional support, we rely on parents principally mom, to make sure we're fed, to make sure we survive. If mom's upset with us, if there's a anger, that may mean more than mom's angry to us. That may mean our source of nourishment, our, our principal means of survival and getting fed may not be there for us. So that fear of abandonment, can trigger a fight-or-flight survival response. That fear of someone being angry with us can trigger an anxiety. You know, those close personal relationships or emotional dynamics, depending on the person, depending on the experience, everybody's experience is different and may respond differently to the same experience. 
develops in us a kind of emotional response to certain things like someone leaving us, someone being angry at us, that breakup with a relationship or potential breakup with a relationship can trigger an association of attachment. They're like, "Uh oh, they're not there for me. I'm all alone, which as a young child might be the format for I may not be able to survive. Our unconscious nervous system might go back that far because in our human history, evolution, that's can be how it's interpreted. And not that it's logical or reasonable, but as an animal, as an animal that early part of our lives were dependent on others in our family setting for survival for the first number of years until we can get food on our own, that's equivalent to life or death. And our unconscious nervous system might recognize it that way, even if we don't. And so someone walking away from us in an argument can trigger anxiety. Someone being angry at us and coming towards us can trigger anxiety. Okay, where we'd want to run. <laughs> but for someone else, someone walking away triggers anxiety and we'd want to run. So the kinds of signals we get may not make sense to our intellect, but somewhere in our history we've we've maybe picked up something that our unconscious nervous system is scanning for, that it specifically triggers, or maybe overly fixates on, and says that's there all the time, look out for it, look out for it, look out for it, look out for it. Always afraid somebody's going to leave us. Kind of like an over-vigilant, hyper-vigilant fear. Always on the lookout for this bad thing to happen. Because that means if it does, we won't be able to survive. We need to react quickly. Those are different layers of this. What I'm saying is we've learned to misinterpret some of these layers. The truth is we're not dependent on other people, but our unconscious nervous system doesn't know that we're adults and we can take care of ourselves if that's the case. Our unconscious nervous system is still behaving as an animal. It's still reacting with very instinctual impulses. And that's okay. The important thing here is to understand that as you take care of your unconscious nervous system in a more appropriate model, you'll see that it's not going to respond to your intellect. It's not going to respond to your reasonable explanations. It's not going to behave the way you want it to behave or the way your intellect wants it to behave. Okay, It's going to behave the way it has to behave to survive. And you can change its behavior. You know, when you have a dog and it comes 4th of July, I know all the dog owners, they want to be home on 4th of July because their dog is going to hear those fireworks go off. Or in whatever country you're in, when the fireworks go off on whatever day it goes on, here in the United States, it's 4th of July. You want to be there with your dog. You want to be able to calm your dog down. So you can have a positive impact on that animal and you can have a positive impact and change and calm down that unconscious nervous system that behaves like an animal as well. Hopefully from this audio, you've got some ideas on things not to do. Uh, you got an idea on letting go of a layer of confusion, understanding why it's happening. Even if you don't know the trigger, you don't know what's being uh, misinterpreted in the signal, 
you'll know that it is picking up on something and responding away. If not in the current environment, it's based on a history of how it's interpreted something to get its response in a way that it's trying to make sure it survives. And you can let go of a layer of judgment that adds another level of anxiety. And you can let go of the confusion that adds another level of anxiety. And when you get further along and you start working with some of the other pieces of material in my course, like the anxiety lessons, those two exercises, you'll find how to calm your unconscious nervous system in an effective way. If you work on the emotional release exercise, you'll find a way to manage these emotions that's more effective. If you work in the self-mastery series, you can work through the belief systems and all the stories the mind is telling so you can dismantle those so those don't add an extra layer. All of these are tools you want to put together to dismantle this paradigm of, of the unconscious nervous system and the belief system that's really trying to help you out and make sure you survive, but misinterpreting some signals, even though it is for your own best interest. I know it doesn't feel that way. One other thing I want to point out, as I talk to people with anxiety, one of the biggest sources of anxiety is that after they've had a number of anxiety attacks, they then become more afraid of having another one. Then there, so there's a fear or an anxiety about potentially having an anxiety attack. And that low level or high level anxiety about having an anxiety attack is with them all the time. Or anytime they're around people or anytime they've been in situations where, oh, this has happened here before, it's happened in meetings or it's happened in these circumstances, they go into it or think about, oh, that's coming up. They start to feel anxiety that they might have an anxiety attack in that situation. And sometimes this can be worse. They're like, that's even more scary. They'd be like, I'd rather just have the anxiety attack than the fear of having the anxiety attack. So this is where the mind generates a layer before something's happened or while it might potentially happen. That, uh, that kind of primes us. That puts us in this heightened anxiety state that kind of sets that animal to be on guard and go, uh-oh, we might go off any time. There might be something bad happening here any second. And so it primes us to be more likely because we're not relaxed to begin with. We don't feel safe. We feel like this anxiety might come get us. And so now we need to address both this anxiety about having anxiety and the anxiety itself. Okay, which kind of you can address in the same way. But I think it's helpful to know that they're both there or could potentially be there. They're not there with everybody, but they can be there. And that as you're aware of both of them, it pulls you out of the anxiety and into more of a state of the observer. You're more neutral. You're more present. You can be calmer when you're in that point of view that's outside both of them. If you're in the anxiety about being anxiety, you're agitating that nervous system. You're aligned with it. You're saying, yeah, yeah, this might be scary. This, this might happen here. And you're going along with that anxiety response as if it's a real issue, making it stronger. So these are all layers to address. 
It might look like one thing, oh, it's just an anxiety attack. But I think you can see from my explanation that there are a number of pieces moving around both as our physical response, as our adrenaline response, as our unconscious nervous system, as a belief system, as our intellect on top that thinks it's in charge but isn't. All of these things interact. And hopefully this has made the landscape a little clearer and giving you a couple clues so you can better let go of some of the internal dialogue or at least just understand that the internal dialogue that's negative is not helping. So you can see the motivation for letting go of that. Even though it might feel intellectually accurate that you are doing something wrong, this is messed up, it's not helping, it's making things worse. It's like the dog that's skittish on fireworks going off. Doesn't matter that it's totally safe in the house. It's still going to be afraid. And telling it, oh, it's being stupid, it's overreacting, this isn't necessary, isn't going to calm the dog down. So let go of that layer. And and hopefully use this kind of un understanding of our unconscious nervous system that that's really intelligent in the way it processes billions of bits of data for our own survival and well-being. And let's treat it with some respect, treat it with some empathy, treat it with a model, say, understanding of this animal quality. Instead of going with the approach that this unconscious nervous system could become intellectual, not only will it not become that, we don't want it to become that. We want it to continue to operate with that brilliant intelligence that's evolved over millions of years. We want it to operate that way, but we want it to operate in harmony and in a compatible way with our intellect. Our intellect needs that. Our intellect can't survive without that. And so as we nurture that and we build a positive relationship with these different parts of ourselves, we can go a long way together as we integrate all these different parts of ourselves and work together in harmony, we can do a lot better than if we work against ourselves or these different parts of each other work against ourselves. You will find more lessons in how to address anxiety and this unconscious belief system and releasing emotions it can be found in the membership area of the self-mastery course from my website, pathwaytohappiness.com. Thank you very much. Hope you have a great day. This is Gary Van Warmerdam from pathwaytohappiness.com.